Welcome to RPM, the podcast that explores the world of private markets. I'm your host, Michael Venn. I'm excited today because we're discussing something that is really front of mind for a lot of us, and that is the importance of human resources. Uh, Hiring in private markets has become extremely competitive, even before the so-called great resignation. And culture and showcasing what makes your company different has never been more important. Joining me today to discuss these topics and more is StepStone's Head of Talent Development, Nithin Malik. Nithin joined StepStone in 2021 and works in our New York office. Nithin, welcome to RPM. Michael, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So Nithin, why don't we start at the top? What does the Head of Talent Development do? Yeah, I've been asked this question many times by my parents and my family members, and I've tried to explain it to them. So I'm going to keep it very simple. And it's really put simply, the growth of people, right? So when we think about talent development within an organization, it is about growing people. And specifically, at least here at StepStone, we're looking at kind of it from four different pillars, really. Uh, Learning and growth, which is really talking about how are we onboarding and what the onboarding experience is like, as well as what are the learning opportunities we're providing to every person. We're also thinking about it from performance management, which is important. How are we assessing performance and how people get things done here and assessing and ensuring that they're doing things um, that are aligned to the organization's goals and objectives. Managers, which is, I would say, a linchpin of any organization. We're doing a lot of that here at StepStone, which is focusing on how do we get our managers up to speed How do we ensure that the managers have the best development possible? And the age-old question of what does leadership look like? And we're exploring that at StepStone specifically. So those are going to be those four pillars that that I'm focused on and the firm is focused on. It's really fascinating. Um, And it sparks a couple of thoughts. The first is related to retention and how competitive labor markets are. Um, You know, you hear a lot about how people aren't just looking for something new and different, but they want to work for a company that shares their values. Before going on, um, I'll give you my first uh, follow-up question. In your estimation, what does L&D, learning and development, say about company culture? And is culture as important as many believe? Yeah, so... Let me let me actually start with the second part of your question around culture, and let me make sure that we are defining culture um, appropriately, which is what are the principles, values, behaviors that every individual demonstrates when they're engaging with each other, right? So that essentially encapsulates when we talk about culture. When we talk about strong culture, that essentially means is every person consistently living those principles, values, and behaviors. So you might hear when you talk to an individual, you know, what is it that you love about a firm or what do you love about an organization? They might say, you know, I love the people. What they're talking about is culture, right? The, the things that people consistently demonstrate. Now you talk about L&D and I would say L&D is a great example of leadership saying, we want to invest in you. We want to invest in your career growth. We want to invest in your development. And that's just one example. You know, we, you look at examples like, benefits and how and the type of benefits that that an organization might offer. You talk about the work-life balance that an organization might offer. All of these things have everything to do about your earlier comment about the great resignation and the values. So when an organization is is demonstrating certain values and demonstrating those consistently, that's where an employee 
is looking at are my values linked to that? And that's kind of what has really started this great resignation. People are kind of uh, looking at themselves and also looking at where they're working and seeing if there's a a match or not. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, L&D and uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion seem to go hand in hand, Um, right? How can we attract a diversity of talent if we don't provide opportunities for growth and to nurture curiosity and personal development? Just how instrumental is learning and development to DE&I? You know, a, a question that comes up a lot, and I would say that organizations that are really committed to DE&I, uh, organizations that are focused on it, organizations that feel that it is, it is important, have embedded it into every part of their organization. And that especially includes L&D. So, you know, for example, right here at StepStone, some of the ways that we're thinking about and are actually incorporating and embedding within our L&D programs and offerings are, you know, there are simple things that we can do. One is, you know, ensuring that we're providing uh, opportunities for diverse experiences, ensuring that we're providing opportunities to share those experiences with each other. And then also ensuring that there's an ability that we are being inclusive in those trainings, in those programs that we offer. So we are always thinking about where, where can we ensure diversity? And it's not just diversity from the standpoint of things that are above the iceberg, right? Things that are visual, but things that are below the iceberg, right? The things that people may not normally see and ensure that there's a level of opportunity for all. Now, as someone who has been a leader in human resources for several financial services companies, could you share your observations on how your field has kind of evolved over the years? When you think about L&D, we are really serving our clients, which is the organization, right? And, you know, what's really changed is, is at least what we found is the concept of time. Now, there hasn't been less or more hours added in the day, but there has been an element of, you know, people seem to have sometimes less time or are really constrained for time in terms of paying attention to uh, giving, uh, paying attention to themselves and investing in themselves from a learning and development. So L&D has had to really shift in terms of how we provide learning opportunities. So, you know, thinking about micro learning, thinking about not just doing the traditional, I'm going to hold a four hour training, you know, gone are those days that we're holding these, these long training sessions. Individuals want to know uh, information They want it on demand and they want it now. And the example I use is, you know, you're, if you're looking to fix a leaky pipe, let's say for example, or a leaky faucet, you go and search online, you don't need to know how to install a full sink. You need to know that specific item. You want to know how do I fix this leaky faucet and how do I, and you look through your videos, right? You're not going to pick the video that's 25 minutes long. You're like, oh, three minutes. This will get me exactly what I need right now. So that shift has really changed to on demand, what I need uh, and what do I need to know and information at your fingertips. So we've had to really change to provide learning in, in, in those variations. As someone who lives in an old house and is constantly consulting you know, the home improvement experts on YouTube, um, that example really resonated with me, uh, Nathan. You know, one other thing, um, the TikTok generation, right? These, these are 15, 40-second clips, and people are teaching people about investing, about real estate, 
uh, in these small little clips. And that's where people are getting their learning from. So really, it's it's caused a major shift in terms of how we need to start thinking about um, learning and and developing and really getting people information. How much of that do you think is going to translate towards like, you know, higher learning in the education system? You know, like I have I have a young kid and I am constantly thinking about the amount of money that I need to save to put her through college. Um, right. And that's kind of just thinking under this like traditional like mindset. Right. You know, you start investing in the 529 now so that you can pay for the four year university, you know, 20 years from now. But I'm also kind of optimistic that some of these changes, you know, this micro learning, this on demand are going to maybe permeate throughout throughout society and that education is going to become, um, I don't know, maybe maybe much more affordable this in particular in the US. Yeah, you know, this is very much supply and demand, right? The question is, how much are organizations going to value that four year degree, that that master's degree, that PhD or getting a, a, your degree from a certain prestigious university versus, wow, this person didn't go to a degree, understands how to code, understands Python, understands how to do all these things, um, and giving that person a chance, right? So a lot of the startup smaller organizations who may start that way and may kind of bring in individuals who have the experience that they may not have traditionally learned from sitting in a lecture hall, uh, two hours, you know, hearing a professor speak up front. So this is going to be really directed at, you know, where, what are organizations and firms going to look for and, and ask for? And where are, and this goes back to the kind of the concept we were talking about, the great resignation before, the value that people are finding, right? If people are finding that they can get a strong education and training from, you know, taking some courses and, 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 you know, experience the Khan Academy, right, right. Khan Academy, perfect example. I, I, I've used Khan Academy to, to, you know, to learn, to learn stuff on my own. And it's just been super helpful. Now, you know, you also have to find people who will give you an opportunity and, and a chance, but uh, you know, I think there is just some, something definitely to look up, look out for in the future where universities are probably looking at uh, some of these things and traditional learning. And, you know, do I really need to take a philosophy class if my focus is going to be in economics, right? Like these are going to be the questions that are going to start to come up uh, even more so. So for the so for the companies that offer learning and development opportunities, uh, younger people, people who may just be starting their careers or as was the case for me, moving to a new industry altogether, uh, may find it reassuring that they aren't expected to know everything on day one and that, you know, reaffirming kind of the understanding that learning and growing are part of the human experience and, that do, and they don't stop once you enter the workforce and you don't need to cram a year's worth of knowledge before, before your interview. Uh, what's one bit of advice that you'd offer to someone just starting a career in financial services? I would start with kind of the simple concept of be a student. You know, I, I, that's kind of rung a bell with me. I happen to be an L&D, but that being that lifelong learner, being a constant student, and it's not just, you know, understanding financial markets, but it's, okay, how does, how do the markets impact the firm that I'm working in? Uh, how does my firm make money? And, you know, part of being a student is not just kind of learning about those things from a textbook or, or um, online, but actually you know, coming up out of your shell and talking to people, 
talking to people who work within these businesses and work with these departments and be curious. I think, you know, one of the best ways to learn is through other people. Uh, I think the traditional courses are fine, but I think you can get a whole lot just by sitting in a room or on a uh, virtual chat, depending on kind of your situation and, and asking questions of, you know, tell me a little bit about what you do. Tell me a little bit about this business. I think that goes a long way uh, and sometimes can be the start of a mentorship relationship. So I would say, be curious, be a student. Nathan, uh, that's all the time we have. Um, once again, thank you for joining us today. Um, really enjoyed our conversation. Be well and hope to see you again soon. Thanks so much, Michael. I appreciate the time. That does it for this episode of RPM. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit our show page at stepstonegroup.com, where we have a list of resources for those interested in learning more about L&D, avoiding burnout, and more. RPM is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Yeah.